Well, good morning or good afternoon or good evening, wherever it is when you are receiving this message and listening. And I pray God's blessing upon you as we read through his holy word this year. Um, I'm delighted to be with you and just sharing a few insights as we go through the word of God. And so my name is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's edition of Bible Bites. My reading for today is found in 2 Chronicles chapters 13 through 17. And I just want to make a few comments about some a few things out of these chapters. First of all, in chapter 13, it talks about in uh, verse 5, he's, Abijah is standing on the mountains, and he, he's having to face um, Israel, who has tried to come against him, the king of Israel. Remember, this is in the early days of the divided kingdom. Okay, and so Abijah comes in behind Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And so this is uh, Solomon's grandson now. And he's trying to get Jeroboam. He doesn't want to fight his own brothers, the northern kingdom. And so he, he asks, he says in verse 5, should you, not, should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever, to him and his sons, by a covenant of salt? And I just thought that was interesting as I looked into a few things about the covenant of salt and some possible meanings for that, because it does show up in a few other places of scripture as well. And this is when God is saying that he gave it to David through a covenant of salt. And it's a very beautiful thing, actually. Um, There's several possible meanings for that, and I want to give you just a few of those. It could be speaking of its permanence and its uh, preservative nature, uh, the fact that it's enduring and continual because salt does have that capacity. It could be representative of friendship and relationships because many times those are were done by sharing meals together, eating meals together. Um, it could also have some reference to the fact that all of God's offerings had to be salted. That was the only way that they could be found to be <clears throat> acceptable. And then um, it, it actually seems to be more about a relationship with God based on trust. I did some research into that, and I found a very interesting connection there. Um, when you consider covenant and salt, and then you put them together, you find out that, that it, it's talking about how trust is the basis of, of any relationship or any covenant. For a covenant to be real, valid, and enduring, Um, It's got to be based on trust. There's got to be a level of trust that the two parties come together and they both believe each other. They both trust and rely upon each other to keep that covenant and in this friendship, this relationship. And then the salt speaks not only of trust, but also of worship. It was uh, a sacrifice for the Israels to give to God their salt, Salt was to them a very vital part of life and livelihood. They had to have it for their sustenance and for their survival. And so treaties in that day were sealed with salt. And I believe that this is a large part of what it's speaking about here. It's speaking about the covenant, meaning the relationship, an intimate, true friendship and relationship. And the salt speaking more of that worship Um, and the trust factor, 
that that both you know both have to be included in this so i think it's just a beautiful thing and i just thought i would share that little bit of a tidbit with you and i hope it's a blessing to you notice also in verse 18 of chapter 13 how god gives um judah the prevailing the prevailing victory hallelujah the the children of israel prevailed but i want to read you the basis of why because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. Abijah had sought the Lord and had um, prayed and about this and, and was trusting in God. And because he relied on the Lord, then God gave them the victory and they prevailed. Hallelujah. All right. Then in um, chapter 14, it's a beautiful thing when Asa is coming on the scene after uh, Abijah, and he has a season of 10 years of rest and peace. And then they have a great army that rise up against them. Now, to get a grasp on how big of a situation this was, you had Judah that had 580,000 valiant men in their army, but the enemy had 1,300,000 chariots, which indicates to me that there were at least that many people, possibly two to a chariot or even other warriors that were as well. So Asa was greatly outnumbered in this battle in terms of the, uh, the natural realm of things. And so I'd like to read for you his prayer, beginning in verse 11. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help whether with many or with those who have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Do not let man prevail against you. I love that prayer, and that's an awesome prayer that we might want to even adapt in our own lives because we're all facing different enemies in life and different hard times and circumstances that are coming against us. But I love how he prayed, and I want you to see a few things from this. Not only did he pray, but he also rested in the Lord. He was content knowing that God had it all under control. And he said already, it's nothing for you to help, whether you choose many that are mighty and strong or whether you, you help those that have no power at all. And he's looking at a million man army standing against him. And he has, you know, le just over a half a million against them. So you're talking about two against one almost. And he calls out to the Lord and he says, God, it's no problem for you. We're outnumbered, but that's no big deal to you. You can come through. And he says that, you know, I'm just going to rest in you, and we're going to go in the name of the Lord, and we're going to trust you that you will not let the enemies prevail against us. And I love that. God gave them victory. They were right with the Lord, and he took care of their enemies. And we see the, um, the answer to his prayer in verse 13 through 15. Not only did God give them victory, but he also gave them spoils over and above just the victory and just recovering. The same that he had done 
earlier where David had recovered all Anne's spoils beside with Ziklag. And it made me think of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, because it says there that, that God abundantly goes over and abundant above what we would even ask or think. Also notice that not only was Asa at this time living in obedience and relying on God, but he was also at rest in the situation. In the situation, he's looking at a two against one battle ahead of him, and he's at rest. That place of peaceful trust. He didn't have any worries. He didn't have any doubts. He knew God can handle it. Total peace, knowing that God was taking care of it all. May we all have that kind of faith and trust and rest from the Prince of Peace, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In chapter 15, he is given through the prophet Azariah. He's given a charge and a warning, a serious um, warning about staying with the Lord. He says this, he says, the Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And so he goes on down and he talks about this charge. And then in verse seven, he says this, but you be strong and do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. Hallelujah. This is a beautiful prayer. And I believe that we can take this on ourselves because, you know, that word reminded me of Galatians chapter six, verse nine, where it talks about don't be weary in well-doing but that our work will be rewarded and it will be remembered and it's not in vain. And so we see that word coming to Asa at this time to encourage him in God's work and to encourage him uh, forward. In verse 10 and 11 of, of chapter 15, I noticed this too, that you know some of the acts of Solomon passed on here in the sense that they were not greedy. Some of the great kings that were not greedy with the spoils but rather they became cheerful givers to God from his blessings to them by giving them the spoils, the extra that they hadn't counted on. And so as an act of thanksgiving to God in recognition for that blessing, they were cheerful givers and they gave back to him. They didn't just take it all and be greedy and hoard, but they were willing to recognize that the one that gave it to them was the one that was due some honor and some thanks. And so they offered those to him. It was a beautiful thing. And I noticed in verse 12 through 19 of that chapter also, as that chapter closes out, that most of Asa's reign was a time of peace. And the reason for that was because he had set his heart, his heart was loyal and tender toward God, and God responded and blessed him in return. Now in chapter 16, we have another time where Israel tries to attack Judah. This is when Asa makes a big mistake here. Instead of trusting and relying on God like he had started out doing, now he relies on man and he goes to Syria and he gets them to come and side with them and treaty with them and all of that and he gets them involved instead of going to God he went to man and he put his confidence in man instead of putting his confidence in God and so the uh, word of the Lord came to him that he was going to suffer for that and he had to endure some consequence some consequences 
I thought it was interesting when, uh, I want to read you verse 9. It says this, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Asa had lost that. He had it in the beginning. He started out great, but he didn't finish well. He had lost it. And instead of relying on God, he had to suffer these consequences and suffer some um, issues from that. Asa's testimony had been that he relied upon God. And God blessed him greatly because of it, but not here. Here he had turned away and he began to rely on man instead of on God. And he wasn't in a place of repentance either because he got mad with the prophet that brought that word to him and put him in prison. <clears throat> Bible says he was enraged at him because of this. Well, God didn't take that lightly either. And so he ended up with uh, some serious consequences the last few years of his life. And he did not finish well. It's not enough for us to start out right. We also need to finish well. Hallelujah. Then I want you to see that at the end of his death, his son, Jehoshaphat, was the one that took over. And Jehoshaphat was one of the best kings that Judah had. And I wanted to read to you a few scriptures, 3 through 6 of this chapter 17. And it says in chapter 17, verse 3, Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he walked in the former ways of his father David, and he did not seek the Baals or the idols, but sought the God of his father and walked in his commandments and not according to the acts of Israel. Therefore, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah gave presents to Jehoshaphat and he had riches and honor in abundance and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he removed the high places and wooden images from Judah. His actions proved that his heart was sincere and his love for God was, was genuine. It wasn't fake. And so we see here Jehoshaphat's heart was after God. Ezra, who's writing this, makes certain that we know that and that we should be like that too. It's an example for us. But he wanted to make sure we knew that about, about Jehoshaphat. God did. And Ezra wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. I found it interesting. In my version, it translated it as he took delight in the ways of the Lord. And when I looked that up and did some study on it, it literally means to make it high and lift it up, to exalt, to lift something up high or mount up, soar in it, and raise it to great height. And so that's how much Jehoshaphat was after God and after God's ways. You know, it talked about earlier, and, and in the Psalms, it talks about how Moses knew the ways of God. He had that deep and intimate relationship with God. The ways of God are speaking about the, the frequently treaded places in the Lord, those, those things that are deeper than a superficial relationship with him. And I just love that, that that was in Jehoshaphat's heart. And it resulted in the actions of true repentance, where he removed the high places and these other things. Hallelujah. And then I want you to notice in verse 7 through 9, it talks about how he exalted the Lord, how he took delight in the ways of the Lord. And that was by instituting proper and true sincere worship 
and also by the word. And this really blessed me because my my gift and my call from the Lord is to teach the word of God. That is what I'm called to do. And that's what I'm trying to devote my time and my abilities to do. And it talks about how he established teaching priests, which would be similar to the call of God on my life, which is a call to teach. And it says, so they taught in Judah and had the book of the law of the Lord with them. They went throughout all the cities of Judah and taught the people. God wants his people to the, you know, salvation is just the first step. God wants us to go much deeper than that. And one of the ways we do that is by being taught the word of God. It's very important that we get rooted and grounded in God's word and that we understand it. And that's where the job of a teacher, the job of the, the person who's been called by God into discipleship ministry, into teaching of the word, that's where they come from. And because of that, God even blessed so that they didn't, their enemies didn't even touch them during that particular period of time. It says the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the land that were around Judah so that they did not make war against Jehoshaphat in that time period. And that reminded me of Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, which says where it talks about how when our ways please the Lord, that he will make even our enemies to be at peace with us and it will not they will not fight with us like they would normally do so it's a very beautiful thing and god always rewards us when we're sincere and our heart is loyal to him and we are seeking to honor him and to raise him up he blesses that that touches his heart beloved so i encourage you to be one of those to be like asa when he started out so well and relying on god be be like jehoshaphat who had that loyal heart and that heart that was seeking to lift up god to exalt him and to bless him and he will bless you back in return far more he might even give you great spoils besides and then we can offer those back to him in a thanksgiving offering. God's a good God. And I pray this has blessed you today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you. Be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom. And I hope you can join us again for future episodes. God bless you today.